What's up, monsters? Welcome back to the Wake the Monster podcast. So today we're going to talk about what does Wake the Monster mean? How do you do it? How do you keep it? What's the point? What are you saying? What is a monster? No, I'm not a monster. I'm a nice guy. I'm not a monster. I'm a dad. I just work. Monsters are under the bed. Whatever you think, you know? So we're going to talk about what I mean when I say it, where it came from. I've mentioned it before in a previous podcast, but I kind of want to break down why that is what I say, why that's that's the hashtag that I use on social media, why that's the kind of personal mantra that I use for myself in a day-to-day life. You know, so I mentioned this, I think, in our opening podcast about what is Wake the Monster. And, you know, it's that concept that too often men have this feeling of, you know, I got to be nice, I got to be agreeable, I have to be polite, I have to be, uh, you know, compliant to authority or to your spouse or to your parents or anything like that. And those are all positive traits, right? They all sound like positive words. But there's so many times where being compliant is the wrong answer. I mean, look at the last two years, right? Like, for big portions of the last two years, being compliant was the wrong answer. It got you to the wrong outcome. Being nice. Being nice is okay, but being nice keeps you from being direct, from asking what you want, you know, or asking for what you want. Being friendly is generally always a good thing, but... Where do you draw the line if you're trying to remain friendly, but the person that you're having a conversation with or the people you're interacting with don't want to be friendly with you? You know, all of these things are are nice, positive, good, that's great. But push too far, they become a negative for you. They become a negative for your personality. Jordan Peterson talks about this. He talks about the, the idea of what a a man in society is and there's the concept of you know oh you've heard people say it about about other men it's like oh he's harmless oh that that, that guy's harmless here in high school when this other guy's talking to your girl or in college or in the workplace when you grow up oh he's harmless no big deal you know because they somebody says something out of line and it's like all right so harm when you say a man is harmless it's supposed to make people comfortable, right? It's supposed to make people feel okay about that person being around. But Peterson's argument is that a harmless man is not a good man, right? Like a harmless man is a man who can't fight, can't defend, can't cause harm, can't do violence, you know? And to have that man exist means that when he gets married, he won't be able to defend and protect and take care of his spouse or his significant other in the way that society says somebody should. Now, you can argue whether society's right or wrong, that's fine, but in my perspective, perspective, being a man is being a protector and a provider, a teammate with your spouse, but being a protector and a provider are your primary roles. The primary roles of my wife are caregiver, and I've said this before, right, when you think about when you think about household responsibilities or you think about how you divvy things up, like she's kind of like the operations manager of how we do things. My schedule kind of flows through 
what she puts on the table for, hey, these are the things we need to accomplish this week. She's kind of guiding our path, you know, and then I'm bringing in resources to kind of make that path happen. You know, and that, that changes. Several years ago, she was the one kind of bringing in resources when I was a full-time college student, you know, and, and we've balanced our, our workloads for a while. You know, but being a, a harmless man is just is not beneficial. If I was a harmless man, I wouldn't be able to provide for her. I wouldn't have the aggressiveness that has made me successful. I wouldn't have the assertiveness that is that has made me capable of leading in the military, capable of fulfilling leadership roles. Right? I don't like I don't like the idea of calling myself a leader because I think that's a very earned title. I think that's being called a leader is something that the people around you call you. I don't want to say that I'm a leader. I'll say that I, I have fulfilled what, what would be referred to as leadership roles because of assertiveness and aggressiveness. And that has gotten me noticed to fill those roles. You know, but there's also been times where I had to be capable to defend, right? Um, when me and my wife first got together, there was a, a person that she had a previous relationship who decided that he wanted to, you know, kind of take his, his, his position back. And I had to be aggressive. I had to be prepared for violence if it happened to make that person go away. Now, luckily it didn't happen. Right. But the idea that it was known that I was capable of violence told that person, Hey, it's time to move on. And those are the things that are positive that come out of not being harmless, that come out of being capable, that come out of having aggression, having the ability to do violence if needed. And, but it's not just violence, right? I talked about the workplace. You, you have to be aggressive and assertive in a work environment to get ahead and to be successful. Um, again, back to Jordan Peterson, that is one of his arguments for a gender pay gap. Now, there's all sorts of different numbers that are all over the place that fulfill different talking points perspectives. But one of the things that is consistent is the idea that men are more assertive in what they want and women are generally more uh, compliant individuals. And that's a masculine trait of assertiveness and a feminine trait of compliance. And because of that, it kind of lends to it's a component of the gap. It's not the solution to the gap, but it is a component of the gender pay gap that exists in certain industries. It's not restricted to men and women. That is just a masculine trait and a feminine trait. Men can have feminine traits. Women can have masculine traits. Right? There was a period of my life where I was a relatively compliant individual. Right? It is a more feminine trait that I carried. My wife is actually a very non-compliant individual. She is actually a very aggressive person. Those are masculine traits that she carries. She is a woman who carries masculine traits. I am a man who carry a few feminine traits. I have to fight against my nature a little bit to actually be successful because of the fact that I have some of those feminine labeled traits in my own personality. So how does a person who says they have feminine traits also say, Hey, I've got a monster. I can become a monster. I can be a monster. Wake your monster. I used to be somebody who thought that a big moment was going to occur. I used to look for big moments in my life, big awakenings, big ahas. 
these big tr life transitions that were going to change me as an individual and that were going to move me to the next level of success in my life. These just world-changing things that I didn't have control. I, think, I just thought, you know, accumulation of effort was going to create this enormous moment, this awakening in my life and just say, here it is, here's the success. It has fallen at your lap because of all of your previous hard work. And for a long time, that's the kind of the way I looked at it. That's the way I looked at success. I understood you needed to work hard. I've always understood that. But I always thought that the working hard was eventually going to give me that one moment windfall, you know, kind of like winning the lottery. I thought something is going to click. I will just have an offer of a quarter million dollar a year salary type thing just show up, right? And, you know, even into several years of my military service, I was still kind of thinking that way. I was still kind of thinking my success will come from my hard work, but it's going to come boom in a snap moment. And then one day I just, I was still looking for that moment. I was like, yo, I put in a lot of hard work. I, like I've been working my butt off to be successful. Where is the success? Like, why isn't it coming to me? Why isn't it here? You know? And I really had to sit back and kind of look at it and just say, like, where is the disconnect? What is, what is not happening? What is missing? And for me, it was consistency. Being willing to do the work for a week or two weeks was okay. But was I willing to do that same amount of work for six months? Was I willing to do the same amount of work for a year? And when I looked at it, it was like I would have these, these pockets of massive action followed by pockets of massive inaction towards a goal. It was, it was a very consistent theme in my life. Pockets of massive action followed by pockets of massive inaction. And to me, I always thought I was working hard. Right? You ever, you ever go through a day at work and you just get to the end and you're like, man, I am beat. I worked my ass off today. And then you look around and it's like, I didn't actually accomplish anything. None of my tasks got done because you didn't really have a singular focus. Right? You made big actions across a number of little things. And at the end, you had no actual result from the big actions that you took. So that was going on for me for a long period of time in my life. Big action followed with big inaction. So when I started realizing that that was the pattern that I was acting in, it was, it was always around, you know, I used to be a big mantra guy, like, you know, everybody wants to do lion or everybody wants to be a lion until it's time to do lion shit, right? Um, you know, just any of those cliche type catchphrases that you hear, work hard, play, whatever you want to think, whatever wild catchphrase that you hear people say and you hear people rally around, like they were all in my head that whole time, right? But it was still massive inaction followed by massive inaction. I knew something needed to change to start producing some consistent, real success to start being the person that my wife needed, that my child needed, that my household needed, that my, my country needed when it comes to my service, right? Like I, I knew I wasn't going to take a, 
a single moment and and fix America and save the world, right? But as a service member, you should have a feeling that your country is reaping the benefits of your actions. It's one of the reasons I'm separating. I don't feel like my country is reaping the benefits of my actions anymore. Um, not from a lack of my action, but from a lack of coordination and impact from the service itself. But that's an entirely different podcast. So what I did is I started taking my objectives and my actions and I started making them smaller. You know, I wanted to pick up running again. I wanted to start getting better at running. And I remember I was getting ready for a fight and it was, hey, you got to go out and run 30 minutes. So it's like, all right, cool. So I go out and I start running, but I was running like three miles in like 28 minutes. Like I was barely breaking a nine minute mile pace for these runs. Now I ran track at a collegiate level. Like I was recruited out of high school to run track. I eventually ran track on a college team. I, I, I placed in conference championships. I was part of a championship team. You know, running was a thing that to me was like riding a bike. Like if I just start running again, I'll just be fast again. You know, when I go out and I start running and it's like nine minute mile pace, which is unacceptable for somebody who was a, coll- a collegiate track athlete, right? So it was really beating me down, just crushing me. And it was around that time that I started thinking about, hey, let's break these things down. Let's make this task small. So I started slow. I started one mile. I started treadmill pace, nine minutes. And and in in track, we call it building a base. It would be like an off-season thing, building your base to get ready for the season, right? But for me, it was just getting back to the skill. And so go out and I run... Uh, six mile per hour, so a 10 minute pace for 30 minutes. Then the next week, I bumped the treadmill to 6.1. And then a couple weeks after that, I went to 6.5. And then I would slowly start going 6.6, 6.7, changing pace and distance. But I wasn't trying to become the goal overnight. I, I decided that it's okay for the goal to take a long time. Nothing happens overnight was the, that kind of thing that I was finally starting to realize. I was finally starting to understand. Nothing happens overnight. So I, I told myself it was okay for this to take time. Come out a year later. Now my, my mile and a half time is under a 950. I'm getting ready to run a track season again here in, a, in about 10 weeks. I'm, I'm jumping on the track for the first time in 13 years. Be my first race in 13 years. So, and I'm excited about it. But I allowed it to take time. And then I started setting objectives along the way. And it wasn't a single moment that made it happen. It was an accumulation of small moments that allowed me to get to this point. Uh, weightlifting is another great example, right? When I started going back into the gym and started working out again, you know, benching 135 for 10 was like, oh God, like I'm a grown man. This should not be heavy, but it is. As soon as I decided I didn't have to bench 225 today, I can get myself there. Small, consistent action created 
what I can do today. The fact that I can now bench 275, the fact that I can deadlift over four, I can squat a big number. Like those things occur now because of the fact it's because of the totality of my actions. It didn't one day wake up and click. It was just totality of action over a long period of time allowed me to become where I am today. I'm not an elite athlete. I'm not going to the Olympics. I'm, like, I'm not trying to say that I'm the strongest man in the world. None of that's true, right? But today, I'm a much more capable individual than I was two years ago because I allowed it to take time. So when I say wake the monster, the monster doesn't take massive actions. There are small moments where quick, decisive action needs to be taken, but my, my mindset behind waking the monster is the monster is willing to wake up tomorrow and do it again. That, that's what I mean. The monster has a focus that can't be wavered. The monster has the discipline to continue the goal. You know, the monster has the discipline to get up in January when it's eight degrees in the morning, go out, drive to the gym and get the work in. The same intentionality behind your action as the summer when it's 75 degrees and you don't have to worry about Jack Frost challenging you to actually step outside. The monster decides that, hey, I have a lot to do in a day, but I have this one thing that's a personal goal that is important to me so that I can feel like I'm accomplishing something outside of just the regular stuff, right? Everybody works. In my mind, everybody has a job. In my mind, everybody has to take care of their family. And those are, especially the family, those are, those are super important and super dear things to me that I take great pride in. But I also, millions of people have to do this every day. So I need something that's individualistic, something that's, that, that's mine, that can give me, you know, a, a different type of joy. You know, to me, competition is it. Competition brings me joy, whether it's training to go step into a ring and fight somebody, win or lose, competition is what gives me that joy, it gives me that rush. Or if it's stepping on a track to race somebody, or if it's going to the gym and saying, hey, let's do a bench press competition, you know, whatever the, the competition is, just competing lets me feel that personal joy that I'm looking for. And that allows me to then come home and just have this free energy for my family. It allows me to have a, a clear mind, a, a calm mind, because I was able to work out that, that chaotic compete type energy that I have. You know, so when I say wake the monster, it's just this consistency about it. It's, it's being willing to make the right decision in this moment. And then in the next moment, be willing to make the right decision again. That's what the monster does. That's what the provider, the defender, the protector. That's what a good man does. A good man makes the good decision consistently. And we're all going to have moments where we fail 
or we fall short or we make the wrong decision either out of weakness or out of ignorance and that nobody is protected from that. Nobody can avoid those moments that are going to happen. But another thing about the monster is that when they see those moments, when they face those moments, they are able to keep that as an isolated moment. The monster is able to say, that was a one-off. Now I'm back on track. My next decision is going to be the right one. And then you start that pipeline all over again. You get back on and you start being consistent again. Little blips of failure in the radar are the moments that bring us down, that let us know how important it is to feel that success. Little moments of failure need to exist so that we can appreciate our successes. So don't think of yourself as being incapable of finding this this monster or whatever you want to call it because of the fact that you have moments of weakness or moments of failure. Those moments have to exist for you to be able to appreciate when the totality of your consistency, when the totality of your action creates a success that you've been searching for or that you didn't know you could achieve. Just remember, it's not massive aha moments. It is small, correct decisions consistently. The monster makes those. You know, the, the dichotomy of the world has to exist for it to have any meaning to us whatsoever. How do you know what good is? You know what good is because you've experienced bad and vice versa. Om and yang, yin and yang, however you want to think about it. There's symmetry. They have to exist in the world or else we don't have any, there's no emotion. There's no feeling. Nobody walks around with a smile all the time, right? Which is why smiling feels so good because of those times that you don't smile because of those times that make you sad, those times that make you cry. How do you know what evil is? You know what evil is because good's here. How do you know what cold is? You know what cold is because you know what hot is. Right? Like all of these things have to exist to complement the other. So you are going to experience failure. You are going to experience moments where you fall short, moments where it hurts. Same thing in the gym, same thing running, same thing fighting, whatever, whatever it is, right? Like majority of what I talk about is talked about is based around fitness because that's a huge aspect of my life. It, it's athletics competition. That's what I love to do outside of being with my family. That brings me my, my, my personal external joy. But in the gym, I, I get to have this extra excitement about a new PR on squat because I remember when I failed that weight. I remember when I couldn't even fathom me lifting that weight, right? Those are those moments of failure, moments of weakness that I can reflect on in my moments of success. In business, you get passed over for promotion. Yeah, I mean, like a Jocko thing. You get passed over for promotion, good. Time to work harder, right? More time to get better. Yeah, that's cool. But also think about how good it's going to feel when you finally get it. Or when you finally get an opportunity with another company or business, or department, or branch, or whatever, that's going to give you the opportunity to be successful. It's all about small, consistent decisions. That's what the monster does, even when they're hard. Even when you know the right decision in the moment is unpopular. The right decision in the moment is going to upset people. 
the right decision in the moment is going to alienate you from your friends or your family or anything else. Trust me, I've been there. In every aspect of what I just said, I've been there. And it was really hard for me to make some of those decisions. I had to get a lot of coaching and a lot of advice from my wife and from family mentors to make those right decisions in those moments. It sucks when you make them. But if you know they're right, you have to. That's what the monster does. That's what the man does. And we need those monsters. We need those good men in society. They have to be there. They have to guide. They have to lead. They have to defend. They have to protect. They have to provide. Women are capable of all of that, but they also have such such a special gift set given to them that most men can't provide to society. Caring, nurturing, raising, the ability to, to produce human life. Right? Like Men can't do that. So our gift to society has to be something else. And to me, it's the monster. Waking the monster. That's why I'm about it. That's why it's my mantra. It was my own thing. I, I, I listened to a lot of Jordan Peterson, read the book, looked at Nietzsche, Aristotle, Marcus Aurelius, Jesus. Like I, I went through things. The Federalist Papers was another one, which was fun. You know, like I, I started looking at this stuff and just kind of developing who I thought we needed to be. And I started becoming that person myself. Hopefully I'm right. We only find out in the end, you know? But I think I am. But I know for a fact, a lot of the success that I've had, especially in the past 18 months, when the world was trying to crush everybody, I was somehow being successful was because of the totality of small, correct, consistent decisions. Being willing to make the hard one, being willing to get up tomorrow and do it again, no matter how small. Getting up tomorrow and doing it again. You can even look at going to the gym. If you're overweight, if it's been years since you've been in there, if you have no clue, if you tried before, but somebody made fun of you, so you you, you know you, you you just you have this anxiety about going. I get it. Damn, I get it. Until I was a freshman in college, I weighed 155 pounds, and I'm almost six feet tall. Like, I get the gym being intimidating. All right, all you gotta do is go in and do one little thing. You don't need to do a full workout. You don't need to make your muscles hurt until you can't walk tomorrow. That's not good for that's not good. You went too far. You're not gonna wanna get up and do it again. Go in and do something small. Walk a half mile on the treadmill, bench the bar, squat the bar, pick up a bar, even a kettlebell. It's even easier. Right? Jump up and down on, on a small box. Something. Small. Something small that'll make you wanna get up tomorrow and do it again. That's the monster.
That's what I mean when I say it. That's why I hashtag Wake the Monster. That's why this podcast is called Wake the Monster Podcast. It's about getting up tomorrow and doing it again. It's what we need. That's what I'm here to, to talk to you all about. I Hopefully I demonstrate it to you. And if you feel like you can follow along, if you feel like you can be part of it, if you feel like if it works for you, good. If not, I hope you find something that does. Either way, I appreciate y'all stopping by. If you like the show, give me a five star. If you didn't like it, give me a one star. Either way, let me know in the review so that I know how to make it better for you all in the future. Leave me a comment on YouTube if you're watching on YouTube. Let me know what you think. Let's start a conversation. Share it with your friends if you think it's worth sharing, if you think other people need to hear this. Thank you so much for stopping by. Go wake your monster. Peace.